Hello, this is Andrea Harkins. Welcome to the Martial Arts Women Podcast. This podcast is devoted to martial art women who make a difference. Today, I'm so excited to present my interview with Tiffany Richards, and she is the co-founder of Peaceful Warrior Martial Arts. Her partner in business and in life, Sensei Richard Pogue, opened their dojo in 2010. Sensei Pogue passed away in December 2017, and Tiffany, along with a wonderful support team, continues to carry on Sensei Pogue's legacy at Peaceful Warrior. She began training in 1998 in various styles, and she is a multifaceted woman in that she also has a career in holistic health care and, interestingly, toured with the Cirque du Soleil for a year as a massage therapist and fitness coach and currently owns the Backrub Company, an on-site corporate wellness firm. She was also Master Ken's manager for his live shows And I think that you'll be really interested to hear more about her experiences as a martial art woman, as well as working with the Cirque du Soleil and with Master Ken and her great experiences as a martial art woman. This program is brought to you by adventuresofharryandfriends.com. Harry and Friends helps young minds grow stronger and empowers children through stories that inspire their imagination, develop their moral compass, set positive examples both visually and verbally, and prepare kids for life's challenges. I personally recommend this new children's book series. For more information, visit adventuresofharryandfriends.com. Join the club for up-to-date information and a free gift. Don't wait. Start your adventure today. Tiffany, welcome to the Martial Arts Woman podcast. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to have you here. You have such an interesting background and story that I think it's going to be a lot of fun to go through some of these topics, and I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot. So, Tiffany, first, I guess, tell us a little bit about your martial art training background. How did that all begin for you? Oh, gosh. Okay. So... I grew up in a really small town um, called Page in Arizona. It's up by Lake Powell. And we didn't have anything. We didn't have a karate school or or any kind of martial arts when I was growing up. It was just kind of the school sports that you got to participate in. But I was always drawn to martial arts. I watched all the Bruce Lee movies. And I even I was watching wrestling when I was a kid, too, (laughs) like WWE wrestling. And I had my favorite characters and... (laughs) Um, but I was always drawn to some sort of fighting self-defense martial arts. And as soon as I graduated high school, I moved down to Phoenix. And the first thing I did was find a karate school and I've been doing it ever since. That's cool. Um, where, so what, when was that? How many years ago? So this would have been, now I'm dating myself. This would have been in 96, (laughs) uh, 97. Okay. Well, and, you know, we both live in, two, in uh, Arizona, which is, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, so you began also, so you began your martial art training. And then as you evolved, you also began a career in holistic healthcare. I think starting around the same time you began training in the martial arts. 
It was. Actually, I was going to enroll in the naturopathic school because I wanted to become a naturopathic medical doctor. Okay. And what I wanted to do was go to a holistic health slash massage school first and make sure that that was the path that I wanted to take. So I was taking all sorts of great programs, um, energy work, massage therapy, um, and then nutrition, holistic healthcare. And I just kind of delved into that and decided to stay on that path. So I never did end up making it to naturopathic medical college, but um, started doing massage therapy. And then really that kind of transitioned into, as I was doing martial arts, doing more sports specific massage. Mm -hmm. So then I started working with martial artists and also cyclists, runners, uh, weightlifters, but I was really drawn to more helping people with certain injuries or ailments that they got from practicing martial arts or doing other sports. Yeah. I find that so fascinating because it really are, are two different things that really mesh well together. Uh, mm -hmm. It's sort of an offshoot of you can, you can practice martial arts, you can train in martial arts, you can help others with their injuries, their situations with martial arts and other athletic uh, abilities. So it really is such a, a great package, I guess you would say, to have in your life uh, such a well-faceted, well-rounded way to live and have a profession and a career. Yeah, it just seems like everything went hand in hand. I was training martial arts, but I was also doing the healing component of it as well. And then you throw the nutrition in there and it was, you're right, it's just kind of this this package deal yeah. <laughs> where it's just, it turned into not so much a hobby or work, but just a lifestyle that I've maintained for the past 21 years. Yeah. Um, it's really important to me. Yeah. I can see that. I can see the passion. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about your, your wellness firm too in a few minutes, but I wanted to talk about a little bit of an inter interesting subject to me, which was you worked with the Cirque du Soleil for a year back in 2002. And that's always a fascinating topic because people love the Cirque du Soleil and, <laughs> and all that it's about and the people in it and documentaries about it and all that. But what was your experience like? Where did you travel to with them? And what was your experience with this, with this troupe? That, what an awesome opportunity. I mean, what 20 something year old who's doesn't have any real responsibilities or not married, doesn't have kids, wouldn't want to just run away with the circus, which is literally what I did. <laughs> but um, that, so I was doing massage therapy. I ended up, they, they came into Phoenix. Um, it's a particular show called Dralion that still travels um, to this day. And they came into Phoenix to do their show. And I was referred to them by a friend of mine, you know, a friend of a friend mm -hmm. who worked on the show and, and they asked if there were any massage therapists in the Phoenix area. And so they hired me and come to find out, of course, because they're so physical and they're so talented that many of the artists for this particular show were also martial artists. So I was showing them some of my more sports specific kind of stretching and more like phys physiotherapy type things from the massage practice, but that I would specifically work with martial artists in my own practice. And that just kind of trickled into, well, our next city is Louise or is, is New Orleans. And would you like to come along? And I'm, I didn't even have to, I didn't bat an eye. I'm like, yep, I'll pack my car and I'll see you guys there. 
So we did the South and East Coast. Um, I was with them for some time. We we were in New Orleans and we were there during Mardi Gras, which was so awesome. I'd never experienced that before. Um, so meeting them, working with the artists, very taxing physically mm-hmm. to to do massage and, and myotherapy and physiotherapy on these really just stout bodies and, and muscular athletic bodies. Um, so we did that. We went up to Raleigh. So we went up to just followed that coast um, in the South, North Carolina, Outer Banks, and then ended, I ended my stint with them in Baltimore. Okay. Yeah. So that's quite a fascinating journey. And as you said, for a 20, 20 year old or in her twenties, right? 20s, really, yeah. really fascinating. <laughs> I bet you had a great time. I did. I met so many wonderful people, um, meeting people from all over the world, which just, it just adds to just your outlook of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and still friends with a lot of them today. Some of them have left Cirque and, and they're doing their own thing. And some of them still work with Cirque and they've been doing it for you know, over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a favorite thing about it? Uh, is there a most interesting moment working with them or anything in particular that stands out that really inspired you? Or was it just that general whole work ethic and working with them? Yeah. I mean, these people, they work so hard. If they're not in the show, if they're not actually performing, they're training. There's a a tent, an artistic tent, they call it off the main tent. And that's where they're training daily uh, for hours. That's just that dedication Mm -hmm. that they have to their craft and there's so many talented people. I worked with Draliana. That's who I toured with. Mm-hmm. But then I also did massage therapy for the, a show called Verakai and a show called Corteo. And I mean, just meeting these people that just are so talented. Verakai yeah. has mostly Russian artists. Okay. And they're really, really muscular. And they do a lot of um, lifting and um I don't even know really how to explain like all of the stuff that they yeah. do balance type things. And yeah. then Dralion is like dancing and martial arts and movement. And uh, a lot of their artists are, they're very flexible and contortionist. And then Corteo is about um, someone who's having a dream that he's in the circus. So it's really, it's kind of like a, this, there's a giant and little people and this whole trampoline scene and, but watching each one of these artists perfect their craft, which is very similar to the martial arts. Right. Right. I mean, if you look at it like that and, and how you can spend years and years and years honing these skills and perfecting their craft, I think that was the most inspiring thing for me. Yeah, I would agree. That's, that's pretty inspiring. And yeah, sort of how I always thought that they were. And you see bits and pieces of that maybe on TV or different areas. So it's great to hear sort of a firsthand experience Mm -hmm. (laughs) with that. So you also, I guess this transition is well into the fact that you own a a wellness firm or company uh, called the Back Rub Company. And why do you think this is important? I guess this is in the corporate world that you do this and maybe an extension of what you did from the CERC. Why do you think it's so important that the corporate world has this type of wellness program? Well, you know, you think about corporations that work employees, um, especially during times like this that, mm-hmm. that we're experiencing. Uh, when we were experiencing the recession back in 08, 
those types of things where employees are working double and triple time and they're doing the jobs of many people, stress is really high. And, and what prompted me to do this is when I was working with Cirque du Soleil, the people who were able to receive massage were the artists only. So that was part of their treatment plan was mm-hmm. massage therapy and physiotherapy. So that included the artists, the actual acrobats, and then also the musicians, because all of their shows are, it's live music every night. But the logistics people and the admin people, that wasn't part of their services that they got to receive. And I was watching these logistics guys loading things up, these huge boxes and, and putting the tent up and, and they're really physically taxed as well. And I thought, and even the administrative people who are just stressed out and they're sitting at desks all day long and, and they're on computers and staring at screens. And I thought, what a great opportunity when I got back from Cirque to start something up like chair massage, where we could go into corporations and help relieve that, that stress and just those kind of symptomatic effects where you're sitting at your desk all day long or you're hunched over or whatever the case is. Yeah, And so that was kind of a fluke. Honestly, it was just, I'm going to give it a try. I just got back. I'm, I'd like to stay in the business. My body personally, I was a little bit taxed from, from doing massage, sports massage for so long with the circus. And uh, I thought, what a better way to get in, into these corporations and help these people than chair massage. And it started from there. And then our clients started asking if we could provide yoga or cooking demos or wellness workshops. And we just built our services from there. And now we're a national company. We work all over the country. I've got about 400 contractors and we provide complete customized corporate wellness programs. And then another division of the company is um, events and trade shows and conventions as well. So everything that we do is is all holistic and natural and, and wellness related. And then we also teach corporate self-defense. Oh, so then cool. that takes the, the martial arts again, mm-hmm. here it comes, it trickles yeah. in again. <laughs> and, and we do a lot of corporate self-defense seminars, which is amazing and fantastic. And it's awesome that these employers want to offer these services to their employees. Yes. It's definitely a, a benefit that people can look forward to. I know that I've taught some self-defense. I do work in a company and I've taught self-defense there. Yeah, it's great. And of course, now with COVID and everything, we've, mm-hmm. we've had to make some adjustments. Sure. Um, obviously, we have so a lot of our corporations, they're not even working right now. The employees are working from home. So that's taken away their, their massage or, or um, maybe their Tai Chi class or whatever they had scheduled. And then the events and trade shows obviously are canceled for probably the rest of the year, Mm -hmm. but we got on the virtual um, path right away. And so we are able now to offer cooking demonstrations, guided meditation, wellness workshops, fitness classes, all virtually. And in fact, I have a virtual self-defense class coming up here in a couple of weeks. So it'll be interesting to see how that translates yeah. Um, obviously, they won't be able to do all the, the physical components, but still get the information for self-defense. Right. Um, that's so important. Yeah. Awesome. You also own a martial arts school. Um, and I don't know if the one that you own now is the original one that you owned, but maybe you can walk us through what your school is named and how long you've had the school and the mission. Uh, sure. The school. 
Yeah. So I, and it is the original. It's, okay. it's called Peaceful Warrior Martial Arts and Healing Center. And that's in Scottsdale. And um, so I was training with my sensei or sifu. We, we do a blend actually of, of Okinawan and Chinese martial arts. So mm-hmm. um, called Kenshoto. So that's what my training is in. And when I was working with him, this was probably going to be back in 2008, 2009, we had, um, he, he always invited people from other schools to come in. So to spar and stuff, because that's, you just get such a, you fight the same people over and over and over again, and you kind of get to know their moves. Yeah. (laughs) So it's always good to have people come in from different styles. And and so you can work together and, and, and train and, and learn things. And so there was this guy that kept coming in and I didn't really talk to him too much, but he was wearing the white gi. We're, we wear black gis. He was wearing the white gi. He didn't have a shirt on underneath. So the Okinawan style, but I didn't know what all that meant. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, come to find out, he'd, he was, his name is Richard Pogue. And he was this phenomenal uh, fighter, fought and won many tournaments in the USKA and I'm trying to think of the other, some of the other martial arts organizations, the tournament associations that he fought in. AAU, I think, is one. And he was invited to the Pan Am Games uh, to do team sparring. Anyway, him and I got to know each other and, and started dating. And in 2010, decided we were going to open up our own martial arts school. That was a combination. He had already had one. So he had, he had one. And then we decided together Mm -hmm. to open ours. So it was a combination of Kenshoto, uh, Shorinru, which is the Okinawan style of karate that he practiced. And um, then we wanted the healing component as well. So we wanted to to throw in the sports massage and the nutrition and and mental and spiritual healing also, Mm -hmm. meditation and those types of things. So we started Peaceful Warrior in July of 2010 and built a beautiful, wonderful business out of it. We were in a 5,000 square foot building. Um, We had an after school program. We ran summer camps. We did open sparring sessions. We did demonstrations throughout the city and we had a tournament team that traveled all over. In fact, in my Facebook memories just popped up that we had just done the Reno, uh, mm-hmm. the WKF tournament up in Reno a few years ago. I think it was six years ago. And my memories just popped up with a little girl who had won one of our students who had won um, her national championship up there. So that was that was a fun memory to see this morning. Yeah, it's always nice uh, when those memories pop up. Yes, I love that. And so, yeah, we we hosted the very first Master Ken seminar in 2012. So we can say we were the pioneers of Master Ken Live. Nice. Uh, <laughs> which is how I met Master Ken. And, and yeah, and then um, Richard did pass away in December of 2017. So that has been, still is, mm-hmm. such a, a challenge and, and something that we're all still going through and grieving. Um, but... I kept the school and with the help of and the support of all of these amazing people, our, our black belts and our students, 
um, the school is still still alive and kicking and running and <laughs> doing our thing, even though we've had to do virtual. Yeah. Um, we, we're still doing live sessions, but many of our students log in and, and do our virtual classes as well. That's great. It's, mm-hmm. it's difficult sometimes to transition. You have to really have a lot of flexibility mm-hmm. in your programs to be able to do that. And, and I'm very sorry, of course, for your loss. Thank um, you. I think it's wonderful. You've been able to continue in your journey and, and doing all of these things in his memory, which is really wonderful. You know, I have to say that our mission from the beginning was not just to teach people how to kick and punch. Mm -hmm. It was truly to create a second family that that's exactly what our mission was. We wanted to create a community where martial arts was obviously the center, but family, health, healing, friendship, camaraderie, those things were very, very important. And after he passed, it really does go to show that we truly are a family. These people are my family and I wouldn't have been able to keep the school open without them. And this is something that we all need just for our own mental and spiritual and emotional sakes. And so um, I think all of us are very, very grateful to have this community and to keep this going. So I don't look at it as my school. This is, this is my family's school. Right. Um, I write the checks and pay the bills. That's about it. They, <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. they keep the place going and it's, it's with their effort and love that, that keeps that, that dojo going. That's a wonderful testimony to <laughs> what martial arts are all about. Some people forget that it's much more than the kicking and punching. In fact, those who don't practice a martial art often think that's all martial arts are. Right. So hearing your story and your explanation and also my mission of, of trying to have a positive spin on the practice of martial arts and mindset, help others recognize the value and benefits of Mm -hmm. martial arts that they go far beyond what we, what, what we think they will. Um, Right. So you mentioned Master Ken. I'll, I'll skip ahead to my question about Master Ken. Um, tell us how you got then involved with Master Ken and what you do now for Master Ken. <laughs> well, so I am the, so my personality is if you tell me something can't be done, I'm going to prove you wrong. Right. Okay. And, <laughs> and that has, that has shown up in every aspect of my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my sensei, uh, Alex Santa Maria, the, the Kenshoto trainer, mm-hmm. he, it was his 50th birthday and he wanted a roast. And so this was when enter the dojo was coming out. So the master Ken show mm-hmm. on YouTube it was, it had just started coming out and we were, all of us were, we would watch it every week when it would, when he would post a new video. And we just thought it was the funniest thing we'd ever seen. And I just came up with the, I'm like, I got to get him out here. I have to get him out here to roast Alex. That would be the best birthday yeah. gift ever. And of course, oh, you can't do that. There's no way. He's not going to come to Phoenix. Oh my gosh, you're crazy. You know? <laughs> and so I was like, I'll show you guys. <laughs> yeah. And after hounding him for weeks, <laughs> like he just couldn't get rid of me. 
I'm like, hey, it's me again. Just wanted to know if you if you'd be willing to come out. Yeah. Hey, hi, yeah. <laughs> remember me? He's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but he did. He he came out. He roasted Alex, and it was hysterical. It was the greatest birthday gift ever. Um, and in that. Uh, I had mentioned to him, I said, if you can come out and roast my sensei, then we can set up an Ameridote seminar. And we were talking about how we could make that work. How can we make this funny kind of spoof stuff where he does techniques like the hurricane and the kill face (laughs) and the thrust of freedom? How do we make those things and turn them into a seminar where people, it's like a comedic, interactive kind of session, but we know it's fun. Yeah. And so we decided, uh, Richard and I decided we were going to host the very first Ameridote seminar at our school. And it, it was fantastic. It was so funny. And Master Ken was such a riot. And so we started talking and we were talking about how he could take this show live. And by 2000, so that was December of 2012. So by 2013, we were on the road. So I, I helped to manage his live stuff. He, he does all of his videos and everything on his own, everything. Um, that, that whole component is all of his creativity and genius. And then I was just helping to manage the live tours. Mm -hmm. So we have done master Ken live all over the United States, Canada, Germany, Australia, England, many times. Um, because the show is based off the the British version of The Office. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of British humor. And so we've gone over there many times doing tours. Because um, it's just a it's just something they get and they think is funny. Uh, we've been to Wales. So it's it's really taken off. Of course, now with the COVID situation, yeah. <laughs> we all go back to COVID. <laughs> now with COVID, uh, so with the COVID situation, mm-hmm. um, he's not touring right now. Yeah. So, uh, but, but, but he's still making great content. Yeah. So technically, you're still this this tour manager if he continues with the live or. I, you know, he's he's when Richard passed away, he kind of. Um, we made a decision for, for me to stay home for a little okay. bit. I needed to, I needed to figure out what was going on and, and focus on the dojo and everything. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, we still talk and, and I'm always there to help and yeah, it's, it's pretty fun. And in fact, um, I was talking at the martial arts super show one year and then ended up getting him in the next year. And he's been doing the martial arts super show every year since I want to say like 2013 or 14. Right. That's awesome. So that brings me to my question about speaking at the martial arts super show. I know you've done it three times. What (laughs) is your particular expertise? Because they have so many people talking at that show. What did, what do you teach uh, at that, at that show? Mine is public relations. I used to, I used to have a public relations firm, um, and I did PR for musicians and that, and I did tour management. So that's where the management uh-huh. skills come right. in with the master pen tour. So I did PR and tour management and um, just really focused on those things. And so when we started the karate school, because I had already started the backrub company five years prior. 
So I made tons of mistakes. I made mistakes with my website, mistakes with social media and mistakes with, so I figured out all that stuff with the background company. And when we started Peaceful Warrior, I kind of already had a handle on all of that. And so I was able to very quickly get us, get, send out press releases, get us in the media. Um, we were, we had an ADHD program mm-hmm. called the me program and that got national attention. Uh, we were the only karate school doing anything like that. Um, so we were, we had been interviewed for newspaper and magazine articles, plus being on TV a plethora of times for self-defense and our tournaments and yeah. our me program. Mm-hmm. And so that was the expertise that I lended at the martial arts super show was how to be your own publicist, uh, how to deal with the media. And then I also did a search engine optimization because I learned how to optimize our websites to where people could find us on a simple Google search right? and we'd pop up first. Um, so those are the things that I taught there, more business, marketing, PR related. Yeah. I want to, this is sort of the the part of the podcast where I turn it a little more personal and ask you some questions about being a martial art woman in the world today. Um, And my first question really is how martial arts help you stay grounded and focused in your life. Hmm. I, I feel like I've been doing, you know, I didn't have this experience as a child. A lot of, a lot of kids, a lot of parents enroll their kids in karate because they want them to be more focused and, and learn self-control and all of those great keywords that we use. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I didn't do that as a kid. I didn't have that outlet. And so I got to learn those things as an adult, as an 18 year old, uh, and then moving forward. And man, does it, take you down a notch. (laughs) (laughs) I have, I have been kicked out of plenty of classes. I can tell you that, um, with, with when I was younger with my attitude and it is very humbling. Mm -hmm. Um, and it keeps you that way and it grounds you. And that's been my main takeaway is, is just that, that grounding of, you're not the only one on this planet. <laughs> this world yes. does not revolve around you. <laughs> a big lesson for young yes. adults. Yes. <laughs> and you learn that. You yeah. learn that through the relationships that are fostered in, in your classes yeah. and that humbleness with your instructors and that the attitude that I used to have of, well, I already know this. When somebody would show me something, well, I, I already know this. I don't, I don't need to learn from you. You know, that kind of yeah. attitude yeah. <laughs> that, um, that's just not needed. Yeah. And, and you learn that you learn to respect people that are higher ranks than you. And you learn, you learn that everyone has something to offer. And those are life skills that you take out of the dojo. Right. And I can relate to your comment about being a young adult and having a particular mindset about you already know this <laughs> because I've taught many of those myself <laughs> uh, and and you think, but you don't know this, um, uh-huh. <laughs> but I know you think you do. So how do I, how do I fix this? It, it's interesting as an instructor to teach that. And you're right. The kids coming into the program are different. They don't carry all the baggage. Mm-hmm. They don't carry a history of a lot of things. They just want to learn and they're excited. But when adults come into the programs, 
they have a different way of, of seeing life. Right. And a lot of times it is because they think they already know something or because they think they don't need to know what you're showing them. There's, there's a lot of different aspects to it. So, or there's, um, I think also there's a kind of an insecurity in a sense Mm -hmm. where I should already know this. I I'm an adult. I sh- I should have this down. This shouldn't take me so long to get. You know that that yeah. insecurity of learning a new skill as an adult. Um, we're constantly learning. We're constantly growing. And if you close yourself off to that, then you're missing such amazing opportunities. Yeah. So if you can be humble and open yourself up to learning, that's I take all sorts of. I just took a glass blowing class because, yeah, I'm 41 years old, but. I don't want to ever stop learning. Exactly. So just the, the opportunities that that martial arts has opened up for me as far as just that open mind of, of constantly wanting to grow. Um, you know, and I, I applaud adults who come into the dojo in their 40s and 50s who want to learn a new skill. That's amazing. A lot of people don't do that. Yeah. Uh, all great points. I myself experience it because I'm 57. Mm-hmm. I just started this podcast. I, I continually start new things that I continue for years and years because I don't start anything unless I'm dedicated to it. And I start new things because I want to challenge myself and I want to share inspiration and information and motivation. I constantly seek those new challenges. And I think no matter what age you are, if you're a martial artist, that's part of who you are to continually grow and apply your martial arts in different ways. It's an exciting way to live your life. It right. really is. Right. So talking about that a little more specifically, why do you think it's important to be a martial art woman in the world today? We've talked generally about martial arts and I, I want everyone to learn martial arts, men, women, but I sometimes feel there are certain things as a martial art woman that we deal with or ways that we can help improve our presence in the martial art world. Mm-hmm. What are some of your thoughts on that? More of a self. What are you pulling out of yourself? What are you making yourself capable of? Yeah. What are you what are you seeing in yourself that that you wouldn't have been able to see without these skills? Okay. And so, and the other thing too, because I teach women self-defense. And I teach those classes nationally Mm -hmm. and everywhere I've ever gone, the women who I want them to be so confident, I want them to not hunch their shoulders and lower their heads and be afraid. I want them to strike. I tell them too in my classes, I say, there is no, I'm sorry in this class. Do not say you're sorry. Mm-hmm. because we just have such an ingrained thing in us where we we have to apologize for who we are. Yeah. And when I I hold up a pad and they've and women that take these self-defense classes that have never hit anything in their lives. They've never struck mm-hmm. anything and you teach mm-hmm. them how to do a palm hill strike and they hit the pad and then they hit it really really light and yeah. you go no hit it. This is someone who's grabbing you and you are getting away. You are getting away and saving your own life. You need to hit this thing hard and they hit it and you just watch that strength come out and that self-confidence come out Mm -hmm. and that fire that they had deep down. 
that they didn't know they had until that class. Right. And anytime they say sorry, I'm like, nope, that is unacceptable. You cannot <laughs> say you're sorry. And I said, you, and, and also in my classes, <clears throat> you can let it go. You can scream, you can cuss, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's really, truly what my thought is on, on a martial arts woman is whether you're a martial artist or not, what I want to see is that fire and that confidence um, mm-hmm. that they didn't know they were capable of. Right. And then when that, when that little wheel turns in their head or you get that glimmer in their eye where they've done something that they didn't know they could do, that's an amazing shift to watch. Yeah, I agree. It's funny because in my generation growing up, I was taught really not to hit things, yell or break anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when I got to martial arts, <laughs> I was told you're going to yell, hit things, break things, you know, do all these, all these things you were taught that you're not supposed to do as a girl yeah. or a woman. Yeah. And sometimes for some people, those are difficult barriers to overcome how you think a woman should be. Exactly. How you, how you should be acting and that you mm-hmm. should be proper and, and, Actually, at the Martial Arts Super Show one year, Richard and I took, um, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but her name is Dr. Robin Silverman. Mm-hmm. And she had a class, and I don't remember the exact name of the class, but it was something to do with girls doing karate. And I think it, it was something like Hang Up Your Tutu or something. It was a cute name, but it was about girls being in this these traditional type sports or activities that that they get drawn to like dance or mm-hmm. cheerleading where they wear um, leotards and sometimes the cheerleading outfits, even for the young girls are kind of tube top looking things. And yeah. they're just, their, their bodies are very exposed. And with martial arts, it, you wear a gi and it doesn't matter whether you're a boy or a girl, you all dress the same and there's no, yeah there's no real deviation. There's no, well, this is a girl's class or this is a boy's class. Everybody's together and they all work together and they all look the same and Mm -hmm. we're not worried about those outfits. And I thought that was really interesting, especially sometimes when I'll be teaching a class and we, the majority of the class are all girls. And I think it's so fun to, to have those girls in class that are just killing it. I mean, they're (laughs) right. And I think there's opportunity. A lot of girls like the fact that they get to wear a karate uniform Mm -hmm. in class and not be seen as frilly or different. Yeah. It empowers them. Yeah. They want to be part of everything that's happening and not look at themselves necessarily as girls, but as martial artists. Mm -hmm. I also tell women, you don't need to give up your femininity to be a martial artist. I'm both for sure. I love, yeah. I wear dresses every day. I'm wearing one right now. It's just, I'm comfortable and love wearing dresses and I put on makeup and do whatever. I like that part of me, but I also like taking all that off and putting on my uniform and just going for it mm-hmm. and practicing. Yeah. It, and you can do both suits. <laughs> you can do both. Absolutely. And others who are very shy and whatnot, they appreciate going to a class where they're one of a, a group of people working toward goals. Right. And that helps. Yeah, so. definitely. What advice, and I know we've kind of talked about this, but if there was a woman who came to you and she was interested in learning a martial art, 
but just wasn't sure how to begin or was afraid of it, what advice could you give her to help her make that decision? Well, you have to do it. You have, you have to try it. You can't just talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so one of my things is consistency. I mean, they talk about all the time, um, motivation and, and passion and all of that, but truly it's, it's discipline. And, and I've learned that one of our senseis at our school, his name is, is Carlos and he is the most disciplined person I know. And so if you want to do something, you have to be disciplined. And that means you have to be consistent and you have to show up mm -hmm. and you can't just say you want to try it and then not do it. Um, if you're nervous, we'll help you get over that because unless you're doing it and coming, you're not going to not be nervous. So right. showing up, picking, I, I always say, come to at least two classes, devote yourself to two classes a week. That's it. That's all you have to do, but get here. Yeah. Um, uh, the fear, the fear factor is one of the main things that keeps yeah. women from going to that first class. Mm -hmm. they're fearful of what's going to happen or what they should know. And again, that's the adult mindset too, is I should already know this or am I going to be able to learn it? And it's difficult for them to realize that it's going to start from the beginning, the basics, and you're going to improve from there. That's right. And, and you have to show up in order to improve. Yes. And so if you come once a week or once every couple of weeks and you're not you're not showing up for yourself that, and you wonder why you're not making progress. Well, that's number one. And again, that's, that's where you take this martial arts training off the mat. And now you're learning life skills. How are you showing up for yourself in your life? Mm -hmm. Are you disciplined in your own life? Not just coming to class, but is this something that's a pattern in your own life? And that's what martial arts helps you to do is to create that discipline for yourself and that self-control. Um, we have a woman in our school. Her name is Missy. She's been with us for, I want to say nine years and she's deaf and she, and I, I happen to know sign language, um, from a previous job where I learned it. And I remember she walked into our dojo one day and her husband is hearing and Richard came back into the office and he's like, Tiff, you need to come out here. And I'm like, oh, I'm busy. And he goes, no, we have a new student. I go, great, sign him up. Like, I, like, I, just, I wasn't <laughs> yeah. interested. And he goes, no, you really need to come out here. <laughs> so I went out there and here she is. And she was writing for, for Richard. And then when I started signing to her and I was so nervous because I was like, oh, my God, I haven't used sign language in so long. Mm -hmm. But I started signing to her. And there's her husband who's hearing, and I didn't realize that. And I said, well, why didn't you come in? And he goes, because this is her thing. This is her journey. Yeah. And I, I never thought of it like that. Um, why didn't he come help her communicate? Because she is perfectly capable of communicating. Right, right. And the amazing thing with that, because she has been with us pretty much from the get-go. I want to say she started in 2011. Um we, all of us at the karate school, know some sign language now mm -hmm. because that's how we have to communicate with Missy. And she is amazing. So if any woman walks through that dojo now, I just introduce them to Missy. Yeah. What an, what an amazing testament <laughs> to what the martial arts does, but also dedication and discipline. So true. Mm -hmm. Very great points. 
And there is a correlation of martial arts to life. That's one of the biggest things that you learn and you don't always learn it right away. Sometimes it's after years of practice that you recognize that that board you broke one day, a long time ago, when you were so afraid of it, is a symbol of overcoming other obstacles in your life. Mm -hmm. When you face an obstacle and you think, hey, I broke that board, I earned a black belt, I did these amazing things that I never thought I could do, then I can get through this. So there is always that correlation to life. Uh, and yeah, it's an interesting process. Yeah, I can definitely relate back any challenge or struggle that I have in my personal life. I can I can take some sort of philosophy or lesson from what I've done in the martial arts. Well, we are coming to the end of this great interview. I had so much fun talking to you and you're, you're so interesting and have so much to share. <laughs> I think everybody's going to love listening to this. That was fun. <laughs> uh, I really appreciate it. Do you have anything else you'd like to add um, at the last minute here before we hang up and say goodbye? Gosh, I don't think so. I just, I okay. hope that if anyone's listening who is not a martial artist, um, I would say give it a try. Because again, like just what we've talked about, how it translates over this, this to me is not just a hobby that I go to the dojo a couple days a week. This is, this is a lifestyle, whether I owned a dojo or not. um, I, I've only had the dojo for 10 years. I've been doing martial arts for 21. So that 11 years prior, that was still, it was a lifestyle. Exactly. um, So I would, I would definitely recommend it to anyone because you're going to find something out about yourself that you didn't know. Yeah. That's a true point right there. Okay. Have a wonderful day. I appreciate it again. And um, thanks for doing what you do. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.